This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. We heard from this Prime Minister that the story in the Globe and Mail was false. He can't be believed. Let's listen to Michael Geist, Canada Research Chair in Internet Law at the University of Ottawa. He said, and I quote, The Prime Minister keeps saying in the House of Commons that Bill C-10 only covers professional, for-profit content. Simply false. The word, quote, professional doesn't even appear in the bill, which now clearly covers user-generated content given the government's amendments. Close quote. So who should Canadians believe? This Prime Minister or Canada's leader? internet law expert. So it's not every week that you get named in the House of Commons this way, much less find yourself engaged in a seemingly endless number of interviews, discussions, and debates over government legislation. This past week was the week that Bill C-10, internet free speech, and the government's digital policy agenda went mainstream as a lead topic in government, the media, and among many Canadians. Now, this podcast has covered Bill C-10 on several occasions, notably including last week in a podcast with Kara Zwibel of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, where we talked about the free expression issues. When the bill was first introduced, I spoke with Bram Abramson about some of the implications of C-10 and included a podcast that recounted my appearance before the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage when it studied the bill. For this week, I thought I'd move away from the usual format to try to explain why Bill C-10 is suddenly a hot topic and why I think the concern that we've seen is justified. Let's start with the bill itself, introduced last November. Two weeks after it was first tabled, Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo rose for second reading in the House to make the case for his bill. I won't play the entire speech, but his remarks included the following. Our approach is balance, and we've made the choice to exclude a number of areas from the new regime. User-generated content will not be regulated. News content will not be regulated. Video games will be excluded. Furthermore, only broadcasters that have a significant impact in Canada will be subject to the legislation. Practically nothing the minister just said is accurate. User-generated content is quite clearly now covered by the bill, as I'll talk about a little bit later. News videos were always covered by the bill. The government has moved to add apps to the law, raising the question of video games as potentially part of this. And there simply are no thresholds for the bill, identifying who this applies to and who this who might be excluded. But at the time, I have to say that my concerns weren't specifically focused on what we've seen most recently on user-generated content. I identified a whole series of concerns, and they included first that there is no free lunch. What appeared to be free, a minister talking very much about essentially free new money for the sector, would come at an enormous cost, and not just to consumers in the form of higher bills at a particularly difficult economic time. Less understood, I think, is the cost to creators from the bill, the loss of fundamental principles such as Canadian ownership and control of the broadcast system, the loss of the predominance of Canadian talent, the risk to Canadian intellectual property, and the short to medium-term risk of less production in Canada due to an uncertain regulatory environment. I was also concerned and remain concerned that the bill punts on many of the most important details, leaving it to lengthy processes at the CRTC. The level of uncertainty that is still there, what's not in the bill, is shocking. 
Legislation is supposed to remove uncertainty, and this does the opposite. Now, the government even kept many of what they said would be the details secret in a policy direction that they said they would provide after the legislation was passed. The committee objected, and Heritage Minister Kiyobo and the government finally released a draft version of that policy direction. But it is so vague that just about all the questions still remain. In fact, I'd argue that there is so much that is still left unanswered, it will take years to sort out, and that creators will actually have to wait years, probably until the latter half of this decade, for any of the promised benefits. I've also repeatedly noted that this isn't about leveling the playing field. Despite the claims about the need for a level playing field between conventional broadcasters and some of the online services, conventional broadcasters enjoy a whole host of regulatory advantages, whether that's simultaneous substitution, market protections, must-carry rules, or copyright retransmission benefits. Most people don't follow these rules closely. What they effectively mean is that there is no like-for-like like here. There are reasons to remain within the conventional broadcast system, and there are a whole host of benefits that are enjoyed by those broadcasters that simply aren't available to the online streamers. Fourth, and, and I think in many ways, perhaps most importantly, as I noted just a moment ago, some of the claims about the bill simply haven't stood up to scrutiny. The minister told the House of Commons that the bill would contain economic thresholds when it didn't, as I mentioned, that it would include news when it doesn't, that it won't affect Canadian ownership requirements when it will. He said that the entire process will be completed by this year when it quite clearly won't. And he's notably said that the Canadian approach is very similar to the one implemented in Europe when it isn't even close. And in fact, it's become even more divergent from the European approach given the most recent changes to user-generated content. Now, despite all of those concerns and many more, I did a 20-part blog series last year that tried to identify many of the concerns associated with the bill and the fact that I appeared before the committee and, and tried to raise some of those same concerns. I think it's fair to say that the bill was still marching along through what's known as clause-by-clause -clause review, where the committee examines and then votes on each clause before it goes to the, back to the House for third reading and a final vote. And suddenly, the government decided to make what I would see and what I think many have seen as a significant change to its legislation. I Just to clarify, this was a question about whether um, I would be recommending that we vote down 4.1. The answer is yes, that I would be recommending, and that goes to CPC5, um, because that would be amending a clause that I would be suggesting that we, we pull down entirely. That's Liberal MP Julie DeBruce the Parliamentary Secretary for Canadian Heritage, introducing or at least advising the committee that the government intended to remove Section 4.1 from its own bill. I'll get into the specifics about the implications of removing that provision, which was one of two provisions designed to protect or safeguard user-generated content. But soon after DeBrusen raised the prospect of this amendment, Canadian Heritage official Owen Ripley specifically advised the committee of its implications. Mr. Brusen has, has signaled the government intends to repeal uh, or, or suggest the repeal of 4.1 altogether, meaning that there would no longer be any exclusion for social media services at all. Um, and just maybe for the benefit of the committee, uh, in, in our previous 
uh, sessions, the committee upheld the exclusion for individual users of social media companies. In, in other words, when, when you or I upload something to, to um, uh, YouTube or some other sharing service, we will not be considered broadcasters for the purposes of the act. In other words, the CRTC couldn't call us before them and we couldn't be subject to CRTC hearings and, and whatnot. But if the if the exclusion here is removed, if 4.1 is 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 struck down, the programming that we upload onto YouTube, that programming that we place on that service would be subject to regulation moving forward, but would be the responsibility of of YouTube or whatever the, the sharing service is, right? So that programming that is uploaded could be subject to things like discoverability requirements or 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 or, or certain obligations like that. Um, so again, if, if, if the way forward ultimately is to maintain the exclusion for individual users, but to strike down the to strike down the exclusion for social media companies, that means that all the, the programming that is on those services would be subject to the act, regardless of whether it's put there by an affiliate or a mandatory of, of the company. So why is this a big deal? Well, as I've mentioned, I think the Broadcasting Act reform bill is problematic for a whole host of reasons, but the decision to treat all user-generated content as a program subject to regulation by the CRTC, as you just heard a heritage official directly acknowledge, in my view, was a giant step too far. As a result of the decision, it opens the door to the CRTC determining what terms and conditions can be attached to the speech of millions of Canadians on sites like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and hundreds of other services if the bill becomes law. As I've mentioned to many reporters, this change is, is shocking and I think raises real constitutional concerns. You know, for the new generation, for a younger generation, TikTok posts, Instagram, their Instagram feeds, uh, YouTube videos are their form of communication. It's how they speak and express themselves in the same way that for my generation might be blog posts or emails. And for a prior generation, it might be letters or faxes. We'd never dream of subjecting blog posts or letters or emails to CRTC regulation, somehow characterizing those as programs, equivalent to programs that, that we see or hear on the radio or television. Yet that's precisely what the government is doing with its change. Now, the government's response to these concerns, at least initially, was to say, well, you know, there's nothing to see here. It's no big deal, or the critics are wearing tinfoil hats, as the prime minister at one point suggested. Their legal case to make that claim that there ought not to be any concern is the fact that there is an exception in the law that remains in the law or in this bill, speaking to the regulation of users when it comes to user-generated content. I should probably take a step back. There was a recognition, you heard the, the minister when he introduced the bill back in November, that user-generated content ought to be excluded from the bill. And the government included two exceptions in order to do that. The first, which is found in Section 2.1, sought to exclude users from the scope of regulation in the sense that they would not be treated as the equivalent of broadcasters subject to regulation by the CRTC. The effect of that would mean that those same users, a million TikTok users or more, wouldn't be called up to Gatineau where the CRTC is located in order to have to appear before the commission as part of a hearing because they would be seen as a broadcaster like any other. 
Now, that's still in there, and that's good that it's still in there. But the other exception, since there were really two that the government relied upon to exclude users, was the exclusion of the content itself. So Section 4.1, that as we heard Julie DeBruyssen on behalf of the government removed, provided protection to say that user ge- users' content, that user-generated content itself, would not be treated as a program and thus not subject to CRTC regulation. It's in some ways the equivalent of thinking about a broadcaster and their programming. CRTC can play a role both with respect to regulating the broadcaster, a CTV or a global or a CBC. It can also play a role in regulating the content or the programming that appears on those broadcasters' air. In a sense, the government tried to replicate that at least initially for user-generated content by exempting both the users and their content only to backtrack and then reapply or by removing the exception ensuring that the content itself would be subject to CRTC regulation. Despite the claims otherwise, it's pretty clear-cut. This is covered by the CRTC, and in some ways the only thing that we're debating now is what the CRTC can do with respect to regulation, not whether or not it has the power under Bill C-10 to regulate users' content. Now, despite the fact that it's pretty clear-cut, the government at least initially tried to argue that there ought not to be any concern, that this wasn't their intent, and that users were protected, often sort of trying to shift more to the 2.1 exception and ignore the fact that they had removed the Section 4.1 exception. It was important enough to put that exclusion there in the first place. Now it's gone. Why was it important in the first place to put it there? Con- we're we're not interested. I mean, it's not it's not what the bill is. About. I mean, I, I hear you saying it's you're not, not interested, simply- but there literally was an exclusion that was put in the original iteration of that bill. The thing that was reviewed, and then it got to committee, and bingo, bango, bongo, the exclusion is gone. So why was it important to put it there in the first place, such that now the the committee has removed it? Well, I mean, the the, the committee decides what they want the bill first of all the committee hasn't even finished doing it doing its work in, in, in terms of, of of the amendments so so we don't have a full picture of what the bill will, will look like when it comes back when it comes back to the to the, to the house of common for for third reading would you um, like to see the exclusion back in there it's not necessary i mean so so if it's not necessary was there, why was it there in the first place well, you know, we've we've worked on this for for, for many months. We, we 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 came up with what we thought would be the, the the best possible bill. But 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 bill can always be perfected. They will be amended, and it, it's not the purpose of the bill. So it's not required to be there. Now, when the public concern continued to grow, Heritage Minister Gilbeau, as you heard the Prime Minister reference off the very top, said that there would be a new amendment introduced that would make it crystal clear that there would be no regulation of user-generated content as programming. Earlier this week, Liberal MP Julie DeBruyssen described that amendment before bringing it before committee. There is some important amendment that I will be moving forward once we get to clause by clause. For example, one of the amendments that I think is important for all of us to be discussing and getting to and, and voting upon will be uh, an amendment that Bill C-10 in Clause 7 be amended by A, adding after line 31 on page 7, 
the following, which would be I.1 in relation to online undertakings that provide a social media service, the discoverability of Canadian creators programs. Rather than confirming that the content that people upload on social media won't be considered as programming under the Broadcasting Act, the amendment now put forward by the government does precisely the opposite. First, as you just heard, the new amendment does not restore the Section 4.1 exception that had been touted as the safeguard against regulating user-generated content. It's still not there. That safeguard just is no longer in the legislation. Second, not only does the regulation of user-generated content remain in place, but the amendment effectively confirms the CRTC's regulatory powers in this regard. In fact, as you heard, it actually includes a specific new power designed for social media. In other words, rather than backing down in the face of public criticism, it would appear that the government is doubling down when it comes to its internet regulation plans. Now, it is true that the new amendment that... The Brucen has raised does establish some limits on regulation by trying to restrict what the CRTC can do with regard to user-generated content. But overall, that power is still there. In fact, under Bill C-10, even with this new amendment that the government has proposed, user-generated content will be subject to CRTC regulation with the result that the content of millions of Canadians' feeds, whether on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube, will be an effectively CRTC-approved because it will be in a position to establish conditions that mandate the discoverability of Canadian content. In other words, it will be the CRTC that will play a role in deciding what millions of Canadians actually see on these services by saying that we want to, or the CRTC wants to ensure that certain Canadian content appears in that feed, effectively regulating the expressive expressions of so many Canadians by either prioritizing or deprioritizing some of their videos and their speech. Now, regulating user-generated content in this way would make Canada an outlier when it comes to internet regulation. Now, the European Union has been one of the most aggressive when it comes to establishing regulations in this space. It's established extensive regulations for online video, but even its rules ensure that video sharing platforms are not subject to regulatory requirements that seek to prioritize some user-generated content over others. There's good reasons for not regulating user-generated content in this matter, as it implicates freedom of expression, and it raises a host of questions about how companies will identify what constitutes Canadian content, whether Canadians will be required to you know, surrender more personal information to big tech companies as part of these new rules, and what requirements will be ultimately established for individual feeds. It's somewhat ironic that at a time that Canadians are concerned about the data that's being captured by these companies, the government hasn't moved forward with its promised privacy legislation and instead is proposing rules around user-generated content that could ultimately lead to Canadians being required to actually provide more information about their location so that these companies can comply with CRTC rules. This weekend, Heritage Minister Guy Beau gave another interview about Bill C-10 this time to CTV's Evan Solomon. It was a doozy. In the span of eight minutes, Guibault managed to cite the wrong section in the bill, indicate that social media users with a large number of followers would be regulated, 
and sought to justify the regulation by assuring Canadians that the regulation would come from the CRTC rather than the government directly. If the CRTC is regulating discoverability of Canadian content on social media, that is regulating social media. You are now calling user-generated content programming, and so it's subject. Like this is the fundamental debate. I, I, am I, I feel like we're driving past each other here. If the CRTC can put that, you're regulating it. You have, as, as I said, individuals are exempt from 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 this law or will be once it once it's adopted and what what we what we want to do this law should apply to people who are broadcasters or who act like broadcasters so if 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 you have you youtube youtube channels with millions of viewers and you're deriving revenues from that then at some point the crtc will be asked to put a threshold it seems pretty clear, at least as I record this, that debate is going to continue, that the government doesn't want to back down on regulating user-generated content, at least for discoverability purposes. And I think it's also pretty apparent that Canadians will continue to oppose this and opposition parties will hear those concerns and continue to raise those concerns in the House and before committee. In my view, the bill should be scrapped and we should start over. As I've said for months, it is a deeply flawed legislative proposal that requires a rewrite, requires a real public consultation by the government, and it requires an approach that puts the free speech interests of Canadians first. There is a solution that would put money into the hands of creators this year, not in five years like Bill C-10. We want large internet companies to make an appropriate contribution in Canada, and we have a system for that. It's called taxation. Tax revenues can be used however we want, including a direct support for film, television, and music production. Indeed, the recent budget includes a digital services tax that is projected to generate billions in additional tax revenue. So there is a straightforward way to ensure that creators get the money they want, but we don't introduce legislation that involves vague policy directions or years of litigation at the CRTC doesn't lessen competition or decrease consumer choice or create huge uncertainty in the marketplace. But perhaps now most importantly, given the changes that we've seen to Bill C-10 with the removal of protections for user-generated content, engage in regulation that has direct implications for the freedom of expression of millions of Canadians. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. <laughs>